sounded that way. Good morning. Welcome to Baseline and Broadway. This is Baseline behind me here. I think it's along a longitudinal line, longitude line. That's why they call it Baseline. I forget which number it is, but um, this right behind is uh, Broadway. I'm on several locations in Broadway. This is actually Highway 93 in Colorado, Colorado Highway 93. And if you go all the way down for about 45 or 50 minutes on the bus, uh, you'll hit Golden. That's where I was on Friday. And uh, then this coming Friday, I'll go down Golden, I'll Broadway, and I'll catch the bus, and I'll go all the way up into the canyon, up to the top by that big reservoir that I've shown several times in videos. And that's up at Nederland, Colorado up above about 8,300 feet. Praise God, right? So let's pray. Lord, I thank you that we can come to the street. Well, we can keep serving you no matter what. Uh, even if there's struggles, uh, we'll just uh, invite you to solve our, help solve our problems, teach us how we can solve our problems, work through the problems, overcome the problems. And I thank you, Lord, that we can keep moving even though there are situations around us that want to stop us, that want to accuse us, that want to bring us to a halt and to denounce who we believe in which is you, Lord Jesus. And, uh, but we just keep on trucking, we keep on moving in you, Lord, because your armor's around us, You're, we are in your light, and we are in you, Lord, the Lord Jesus Christ. We put on the Lord Jesus Christ, just as you, as Paul told us to do, and showed us how to do it, by your spirit. And we just commit this sermon, get this video, video and today's message, and today's uh, uh, street service out here, however you wanna look at it, street service, street, street ministry out here in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen and amen. All right, uh, before I go any further, I do wanna highlight this a little bit. This is uh, the True Study, uh, first book. This is a class that we're doing every morning from 7 a.m. Boulder time to 8 a.m., one hour. And uh, I respect that time, so I do all I can to make sure it's cut off. We end the class uh, right at eight o'clock or just a minute or two before that. And uh, we're doing pretty good on that. I think only one time I've gone over one minute. Sometimes it's a few seconds over the one hour, but typically uh, it's within that one hour. I wanna respect your time. And so we're doing a class. We just class, finished class number 56 today. We're doing 65 classes on this book right here. Uh, this is more like a log book rather than a uh, teaching type book on the Bible. Uh, we don't, we're not doing a Bible study per se, we're doing more of a class that takes us through this book, why this book, and a type of orientation. Because the first few pages of this book is, uh, just a moment, is instructions. These are all instructions on how to operate this book, several pages of instructions. But then it goes into the log book, and that's what this is. It's more like a log book format. And uh, it keeps us on track, it keeps us accountable, keeps us moving in the Lord. You'd be surprised how many days can go by when you sit down or you don't do anything for the Lord. Many, many days can go by. And, uh, but what we do here, this uh, first top part here, is more like seeking first the kingdom of God, kind of ministering to the Lord in a sense, and uh, kind of a back and forth type situation going on here with the Lord. And then this kind of, uh, through this process here, it kind of, falls and drops into and kind of dovetails into this portion here. And this helps us get ready to come out and preach the gospel. And uh, this is a blank page, obviously. But uh, kind of, I feel everything out. It gets kind of messy and sloppy. 
but I've been doing this for a very long time and this is very organized. I've never used to have it like this, but this is what the Holy Ghost showed me to do to uh, help people in the ministry. And that's what our class is all about. Class is all about helping people in the ministry. Not so much as a type of Christian who just wants to go to church and sit down and, you know, look at their Bible occasionally and, you know, goof around and play with Jesus and never really take Jesus serious at his word or take the ministry of the Lord Jesus Christ serious. There's a lot of Christians who do that. So we're really, uh, those type of Christians don't like to hang around people like us who are actively pursuing, actively working, actively preaching, actively serving God with all of our heart, soul, mind, and body. Because we have a force around us, a power around us that uh, offends many Christians. I offend a lot of Christians because of what I do in life. Uh, but nothing I can do about that. It's just my work ethic uh, bothers a lot of Christians because they don't do anything. And I say that in a generalized statement. I understand that a lot of Christians are doing something. One of the greatest things that you can do is believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. And you stay in that belief on the Lord Jesus and you endure to the end, you'll go to heaven. Yeah, you don't have to tell a soul about, your, uh, about Christ. You don't have to do anything. Jesus has to stay in there. But I tell you, if you don't do anything, then Satan's gonna build up a lot of inroads into your life over the years over the years, not today, not tomorrow, hopefully, but over time, over time. And so that's why I try to get people to go to work for the Lord. Once they're born again, uh, then Jesus said, go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. And we do that in lots of different ways and fashions. God has us assigned to different tasks. I lift a banner out here on the street corner. I never used to do that till four and a half years ago. I used to do it different ways. But I basically have always been on the streets since I was 20 years old. I've always ministered out in the public arena. So I'm very familiar with being out in the public. But this is where I've been in my life. So I'm faithful to my calling. So that's this class. And uh, you can get this book at the book patch, the book patch, P-A-T-C-H.com. And uh, ignore the front cover there, that picture on the front. And just go to the top. It says bookstore. Click on bookstore and then type in the search bar. GC True Study, and you see our first four books that'll come up on the shelf. And uh, there'll be a total of eight books eventually, here soon, in the next six or eight months, it'll be eight books total. But these four books will take us for a whole year through the New Testament, all right? And it's uh, the price that I'm charging, $9.27, is solely and strictly only the print cost. No profit for us at all. We're giving our profit away to help you pay for your shipping and your handling tax or whatever and uh, that's what we're doing so anyways that's that book there let me put that down all right praise God I, I need to pray real quick so Lord I just thank you that we can come to class uh, and uh, we can talk about the class we can come to the corner we can come to the ministry we can do all kinds of different things just for you Lord not for us and so we give it all to you Lord in Jesus name I don't know what that prayer meant I just wanted to pray it's just something that popped inside of me so I do that why not if it doesn't sound, make sense, well, my heart is right towards the Lord. If my heart's right to the Lord, uh, God can use our words as long as they come out of a, a genuine, sincere heart. It's really important, right? So uh, we're in the November 12th Sunday prayer letter, and it's titled, I Cheerfully Answer for Myself. Once again, uh, I don't know what the problem is, but I'm having struggle with uh, writing the Sunday prayer letter. I did post this. I did post this on my website, and uh, 
on the what's that? And I did post it on our um, uh, YouTube channel in the post section, so you kind of know what the title is and the scriptures we're going to be preach on. And um, uh, but for whatever reason, and so I'm praying and praying and asking the Lord because on Fridays I go out of town and I usually really uh, pour my heart out, empty my life in these cities because I only go there once a month and I want to give everything I've got. And that's why on Fridays, uh, by the time I get home on Friday nights, I'm really exhausted because on Thursdays I'm out of town also. Like, like this Thursday, I'll be in Louisville. And so just that leaving my city, leaving the, my home, my town, my hometown, my town, and just traveling a little bit, even though it's not that far, um, it puts pressure on me. It really does. It's a, and I don't know what to do with it. And uh, so Fridays, like going up there, that's a good 45 or 50 minute ride on the bus. And, you know, I'm in a different environment, different people, different spirits, different situation going on. And this Friday, I might be going up two hours early. I don't know that yet for sure. And, uh, and so then come Saturday is my day and the rest. And a lot of times I just pass out on Saturdays. And so it's just really been struggling. So the Lord's been reorganizing the letter a little smoother, a little easier for me. And uh, this coming, um, this coming, so the guy turns his music up really loud, <laughs> really fun. So this coming Saturday, the Lord's gonna have me do the letter in the morning. And that'll be the first time I've ever done the letter in the morning. Normally I spend that morning and afternoon with the Lord. And then afternoon or late afternoon, I sit down and do my letter. That's how I've done it for the last three years, or since 2018. And uh, I think I've written 200 and 200 something. I don't know what number it is. A lot. <laughs> and uh, but this Saturday, he wants me to do it in the first thing in the morning, and attempt to be done by noon. Instead of starting at noon or one or two or three, be done by noon, and then spend the rest of the day with him. So maybe it's an answer of prayer. We'll see what happens. Uh, I always commit it back to the Lord because I don't know how to follow through sometimes. Uh, we're kids, children of God. Children sometimes don't know how to follow their parents' advice. So our Father which is in heaven gives us advice and counsel. And oftentimes as kids, we don't know how to uh, apply that in our life. So we ask, Dad, help us to carry that out in our life. Just be, don't be ashamed of asking God for help. Just don't do that. He's not going to put you down. He's not going to belittle you. He's not going to be sarcastic. He's not going to roll his eyes. He's not going to say, oh, get out of here. I'm busy. He's not going to do any of that. He's going to help you, all right, by his spirit. That's what Jesus said. The Holy Ghost, that's the job of the Holy Ghost. That's why he's here now. Jesus is by the, on the right hand of the Father, interceding, being our mediator to us between God and man. And uh, he sent, the Father sent the Holy Ghost to be our comforter, to be our teacher, to be the mouthpiece for Jesus, because Jesus said, the Holy Ghost will not talk on his own. He will say what I say, just like Jesus said. I don't speak on my own. I say what my Father says. So the words that came out of Jesus actually came from the Father. Those that come out of the Holy Ghost actually come from Jesus. And remember, Jesus only says what the Father says. See, it's one God. I don't, can't get it all mixed. It's not three different people sitting around figuring out what to do next. It's not some big council. One God, sorry. A lot of people don't like that. It's like one man. I'm not three people. I'm one person. And my wholeness, my fullness is in one body. I don't have three, two other bodies standing here. Do you see two other bodies? No. But my mind has a voice and talks to me. My 
my flesh has a spirit, has a voice, and it talks to me, and my spirit has a voice, and it talks to me. But I have one mouth, one mouth, one heart. It's like God has one mouth, one heart. It's just, you know, we're made in this image. If you want to see what God looks like, you look at man. It's real simple, you know. It's just, it's just, he is way above us. So he doesn't, you know, that's just, you know, that's another teaching that a lot of people, the reason they don't get it is because they're trained and taught in their church or seminary or uh, Bible college or whatever, and all the books that they read and all the statements of faith and all their values and all their churches teach that God is three different people, you know, and that's not Bible. You cannot find that in the Bible, the Word of God, the King James Bible. So take it for what it's worth. I tell you, when that revelation came to me, because I used to teach three separate gods, I know what I'm talking about. I'm not just talking off the top of my head or what I read in some book someplace or some magazine or some channel or some talk. I live everything I talk. I talk and preach, minister out of experience that the Holy Ghost trains me. That's how I'm trained, by experience, my life, right? And uh, that's different. I mean, a lot of people don't minister that way, which is different that's okay it's just I minister this way so I used to teach three gods but I didn't know any different no one said anything different than that so I used to teach three gods for years and years and years but when I got in the King James I started to see things totally completely different that's why I value this particular book so highly and I've tossed all the others out of my life except my original one or two Bibles that I got when I first started in the ministry just for keepsake and uh, anyways, uh, so think about that. And let me, I'll go one step further. I understand that a lot of us go to churches that have false doctrines. That's a fact. People who are listening now are going to churches and they have false doctrines. Maybe not a lot, but one or two in their church stuff. And to keep a false teaching, a doctrine is a teaching, it's a way of thinking, when to keep a false doctrine out of the church takes a lot of discernment, a lot of wisdom, a lot of knowledge. It takes a lot of God in your life. And the challenge with that in most churches, denominations, that if you alter the doctrines of your church, then you no longer are a part of that denomination and they'll reprimand you, they will chastise you, and they'll cut off your funding, they'll cut off counsel, they'll cut, and they will do things that you don't like and now you have to make a choice. Do I bow my knee to the, my denomination or do I bow my knee to the Word of God, Jesus Christ? And that's what a church pastor struggles with. Thank God that I don't have to struggle with that because when I was counseling with my pastor to build Gospel Evangelist Church, he was saying very clearly, he told me over a two-year period I would counsel with him on this church. One of the things he said, to do what God is asking you to do, you're going to have to start a brand new work, a brand new work. And that's why God is calling you to do a brand new work because he want, what he wants you to do in that church is you cannot do that in an established, ongoing, viable church because you would have to change everything and it would be 
too hard. We'd have to, you know, best way is what we're doing right now. So, uh, and so what I wanted to add on that was uh, if you're going to a church that has false doctrine, uh, you should go to your pastor and bring that up to him. You know, not quit and leave. You want to make an appointment with the pastor and uh, talk to him with Bible verses, bring your King James, and sit down and talk to him. But understand that he's going to talk you out of it. And the reason he's going to talk you out of it and make you think you don't know what you're talking about, that he is, more, he is smarter than you and he knows what he's doing, is he needs to protect his relationship with his denomination. And a lot of churches say, well, we're a non-denomination. But in reality, they are connected with some association or some affiliation of some sort that regulates and monitors uh, their church. There's a lot of churches that say they're independent and they're not. So uh, uh, we are independent and a non-denominational full gospel church. Uh, we do take counsel, but we have not signed any agreements with anybody that they have control over our church. That hasn't happened. Uh, now we're accountable to God and uh, God moves through the people of our church. And when the Lord tells me to do something, uh, I take it to the people. And uh, it's not that we vote on it, but I want everybody to know what, what's happening in the church. That's why sometimes in our services, the first short period of time is like a news type, like this is here. Just because I like to keep people up. I don't like keep people in the dark. I, Satan likes to do things in the dark, and God likes to do things in the light. So I'm always bringing light to our ministry and our sermons and what we're doing, okay? One of the reasons why I do the pan. So it provides visibility. Where is John standing at? I just don't show up. I you know, show around. Like One of my, my hopes and dreams and my goals before the Lord, my request, desires before the Lord, is that I'll be able to uh, uh, acquire a, a mini uh, drone, uh, the ones that are under the ounce level before you need a license, the 49 ounce, I think it's called, something like that. Uh, so I can kind of uh, do a panoramic view of where I'm at, kind of even shed more light on where I'm at. And uh, just think it'd be cool for an intro and for an outro. So that's in, on the drawing board. <laughs> Just shedding more light. I just want to keep shedding light, right? All right. Uh, all right, so November 12th, Sunday prayer letter. Uh, I cheerfully answer for myself, uh, Acts 24. And we're in the theme called Signs, Wonders, Miracles, Praise, Worship. We're all, we've been in that theme. We'll go on that theme until the end of the year. And then we'll go into a new theme come 2024. That new theme will be called Fire. F-I-R-E. One word, Fire. And my banner will also be called Fire. This banner here is called God Bless You. I have a new name uh, through every banner. Every year I have a new banner. And next year it's going to be Fire. And we're going to teach and preach and te talk on fire in the Bible from cover to cover. There's over 500 verses that have the word fire in it. So we're going to go through all of them all year long, every single verse. We're not going to miss any of them. And we're not going to twist or pervert or bring in some false doctrine. We're going to teach the pure Word of God in relation to that topic of fire. And it's taken me a lot of courage to order my banner because I still have not ordered it. I'm a, just a little afraid to lift that banner for what it may bring my way. But apparently the Lord is getting me ready and uh, I'll be able to do it. 
Seems easy on the outside, but when you get when you have to go do it, it uh, it's a little more difficult. All right. So part three on two. No, let's, no, we're not there yet. Part two Monday. That's right. Today's Monday. <clears throat> Acts 24 uh, verses four through nine. Verses four through nine. All right. And this sermon title is down here in verse uh, eight. Uh, and the title here is We Accuse Him. A C C U S E. Accuse. We accuse Him. Him being Paul. We are the people who are accusing Paul. We who are against God. We who are against Jesus. The, you know, all that stuff. That's the we. And the accuse is a spirit of accusation that comes from Satan. And Him is, the, is Paul who is being accused, right? So that's our title, we accuse him. So let's go back up to four here. Uh, I'll, read, I'll start at four, and I'll read down three, and then we'll talk on it. Notwithstanding that I be no, not further tedious unto thee. So this is Tertullius talking here still in front of Felix. This is a, kind of like a hired gun, a hired uh, big wig, hired lawyer uh, on the uh, prosecution side. And uh, uh, he thinks he's got it all together. I'm sure he acquired a lot of money in doing this. I don't doubt that's not covered here, but it just seems that way. All right. So uh, he's talking to Felix, and uh, he has been building Felix up, the governor of Caesarea, uh, how good he is and how peaceful we are and how things are working out really wonderful and all that kind of stuff. It's really a kind of a, actually a sad situation going on here. Anyway, notwithstanding that I be not further tedious unto thee, I being Tertullius, Tertullius, and thee is Felix, okay? Notwithstanding that I be not further tedious unto thee. Tedious. So he was detailing a lot of little nuances and teachings that Paul was teaching because he was teaching of the way. Jesus, that's, that's what we were called originally. We were called the way, the sect of the way, the sect of the Nazarenes, things like that. And uh, uh, so he was building a very detailed case against Paul to Felix. Tedious unto thee, I pray thee, this is Tertullus again talking to Felix, I pray thee that thou wouldest hear us by thy clemency. A few words, <laughs> a few words. <laughs> Isn't that funny? So you can tell he has a political slant to him too, because that's, that's what a politician would say. There's not a few, he's not gonna speak a few words. He's gonna give a very long dissertation very long, very tedious dissertation. It's not a few words. So we know now that Tertullius has a political slant to his message. It's interesting. A lot of times you can't see that if you just read it really fast. You don't see that, you know? But you read every word slowly and deliberately. Every word of God is pure. You take each of those pure words and plant them deep in your spirit. Good things happen. Good things happen. I'm right by Starbucks here, and there's a patio out here, and sometimes my, you know, my voice carries and bounces off that wall. People move around and get away from the sound of my voice. <laughs> That's okay. <clears throat> All right. Uh, back, let me see a few words. Verse 5. For we have found this man a pestilent, <laughs> pestilent fellow, and a mover of sedition among all the Jews throughout the world, and a ringleader of the sect of the Nazarenes, who also hath gone about to profane the temple whom we took and would have judged according to our law. But the chief captain 
uh, Lysias came upon us and with great violence took him away out of our hands, commanding his accusers to come unto thee by, by examining of whom thyself mayest take knowledge of all these things wherein we accuse him. Verse 9, And the Jews also assented, saying that these things were so. All right, praise the Lord. These things were so. Right behind me is the University of Colorado at Boulder. It's CU. And that's the... Now it's pretty much in the news nowadays, University of Colorado at Boulder, because of uh, uh, the coach. His name is... Uh, Sanders. Deion Sanders, I think. Deion Sanders. I don't follow football, so I don't, you know. But he's, his nickname is Coach Prime, P-R-I-M-E, Prime. And you wouldn't believe how many millions and millions of dollars he is being paid. It is absolutely stupid. It just shows you where people put their heart into a pigskin. Yeah. Where did, where did the devils ask them to be sent into a pig. Yeah. This kind of gives you some ideas what's going on. Anyways, it's in the news because they're a winning team now. <laughs> Crazy. Good, sir. Thank you. Uh, another thought that's kind of interesting. Uh, right here in this brick on the right, this brick here, can't see it in the video there, but uh, I walked up, there's one of my gospel tracks stuck in the brick. I didn't put it there. Joshua, yesterday, one day I wanted to give him some gospel tracts. He said, oh, I got one already. You did? Yeah, I found it at the bus stop. <laughs> I tell you, we are covering the city of Boulder with these gospel tracts. I'll give, show you what I mean. These gospel tracts right here. This was your life. On the back, it's custom printed for, my, for our church. Uh, we're almost out of these. We've almost passed out 10,000 of these in the last five years. This is, it was printed in uh, uh, December of 18. And this is December of 23, that's five years. And we'll go through all 10,000 tracks here in Colorado and the cities that we travel in. But we'll change this a little bit on the back. Anyways, this is our track. And I pass out a few hundred a month. Oops, sorry, I've got to put this away, otherwise it's in my way. Also, uh, carry money to give to the poor. Remember I talked about in that class, I always have money for the poor and I have my church card in case somebody needs to get a hold of me. All right, I'm always ready to go. Not have to fumble around, I'm ready to go now. All right, because I never know what's gonna happen. All right, <clears throat> All right. let's go back up to four. Notwithstanding that I be not further tedious unto thee. We talked about tedious there. And I pray thee, I pray. So when you see the word pray here, he is really pulling all the stops out. He is really reaching deep down into him. He is, has emotion involved. You can see a lot of things are going on to stir people up. I pray thee. You can kind of almost hear it in your spirit if you meditate in the Word. And sometimes I like to use a definition that's kind of unusual for the word meditate. And that is, you meditate in the Word with your spirit long enough that it's like you move out of your brain into your spirit and God opens like a vista of you and it's like you can step into the picture and you can 
see and hear and smell and feel what's going on at the moment in the Word of God. In other words, you're living it in your imagination. It's, it, and when you get that to that point of meditation in the Word of God, the Word of God becomes very uh, active, very alive. And you get to look around. It's like a 360 degree view of the Word of God. It's amazing. And so that's why I'm talking this way, because I've meditated in the Word day and night for years and years and decades. I've lived, you know, I've, <laughs> I've lived in the Word. I've been, literally have lived in the Word. I've just not read it like a book. I've, I've moved into the Word, living it, and what God gave us, our imagination and our spirit. And it's amazing, you know. But now you can turn that imagination over to God, over to Satan, the God of this world, and Satan will use it just fine. You can dream up all kinds of evil stuff. So that doesn't make our imagination evil. God gave us an imagination to use, to imagine, you know. So that's why I talk the way I talk about here, because I've seen this. It's like I was sitting in the courtroom. I was sitting in where they were at, and I could hear Tartilius talking. And it's like, he's a very tall, you know, this in my spirit, don't know this for a fact. I mean, this is just what I saw in my spirit, in my imagination. He seemed like a very taller than normal man. Like if everyone was six foot, he'd be like six one. And he was dressed very elegantly. And he commanded a view, he commanded a presence on what he was doing. All right, so I bind that in Jesus' name. So let me say what just happened now. Uh, it's a little teaching here on the side, it's a little sidebar here. So uh, uh, when these two guys, these two guys are walking by here, uh, I heard in my spirit, let's kick his tripod and let it fall to the ground. Kick his tripod, let it fall, kick it over as we walk by. And the moment I heard that, Dude, the moment you hear something like that, here's what you do. You use the keys of the kingdom immediately. You don't wait. You train yourself to instantly do it, like I instantly did it. And you do this, you bind that. You bind that what the Lord just showed you. They wanted to knock my, that's why they walked so close to the, I mean, within inches of my tripod, even though I got an orange cone there. They could have walked, I mean, it's a 15-foot walk pave way here, 15 feet. I mean, it's plenty of room. I mean, I'm not even in the walkway. I'm in the, I'm off on the shoulder here of this sidewalk. And so you bind that immediately, because that was Satan was trying to do that. And so you bind Satan immediately, and then it's bound in the spirit, right? That's taking that part. So the moment that thought comes, I bind that in the name of Jesus. Bind it, I rest it, I hold on to it, I stop it from happening. And I tell that to Christians and they go on, bind it, what is that? Like it's like a mystery to them. And I thought that's one of the things Jesus taught us. See, that's when I'm so upset at pastors. They're not teaching all the counsel of the Lord. And it just infuriates me. Because I meet Christians every single day. Maybe not on Saturdays, but the days I'm ministering, six days a week, right? And so that's why he didn't knock my banner over, my tripod with my camera on it, <clears throat> right? And you don't confess something, you don't, so if Satan says, I'm gonna knock your, uh, your, uh, your tripod down, 
You don't confess that. Oh my! I, oh, oh! I'm, I'm. A, here's how you could do it. This is just an example. Not gonna. I'm not confessing this. But this is what Christians would do, normally, but not anymore. Not, not if you get around me, you're gonna stop that. And this is what they normally would say. Oh, I fear somebody's gonna kick my tripod over and my camera's gonna break. So they confess what Jesus, what Satan wanted them to confess. So Satan gave you the thought that he's going to kick your tripod over and then you confess out of your mouth. Oh, I fear somebody's going to kick my tripod over. So you don't do that. You don't do that. Stop it right today from forward. You don't do that. You bind Satan. You take those fiery darts by the shield of faith. You bind it. You put that fiery dart out. Put it out. Rebuke it. Right? And you don't confess what Satan is trying to do to you. Right? Because that's their title. We accuse him. You don't put into words the accusations of people. I mean, sometimes I do it out here to give you a demonstration, but I don't, once the camera's off, I don't return, I don't speak those words. I do something different. I return the accusation with love, with the Word of God, with my petition that I have before the Lord. Huh? Right? Uh, Okay, a few words. Oh, so now we know a few words. Uh, verse 5, for we have found this man. This, they singled Paul out. That's interesting to me. They didn't take all the believers, just that one man. One man, this man. I think that's another interesting point to look at. We found this man. They found him. Now, what does that also tell you when you found? That means they were looking. Because you can't find something unless you're looking for it. You just don't stumble on upon it. No, they were looking to accuse somebody of this thing that was causing all kinds of problems in their, you know, in their uh, lovely city. Just like Boulder, people hate what I'm doing here. And they just think they wish that they would leave. I have had so many, 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 many people tell me to get out of here. We don't want you here. Yeah, that's what they're telling Paul, you know. People have found me, they have found Paul, you know. All right, we have found this man, and this is what they found in him. This is what they're looking for. They weren't looking for the goodness and the wonderful things that Paul was doing. They weren't looking at all the healings and all the help and all the joy and all the wonderful things that was happening in his ministry. They weren't looking for that. You will find what you're looking for. And if you're looking for pestilence, that's what it says. He was, he's a pestilent fellow. Pestilent. He's a bother. He's a bug. He's a mosquito stinging all of us. He's a pestilence. He's a gnat. He's a ma uh, maggot. He's a pestilence. He's a worm. He's a, you know, all those kind of things. He's a tapeworm. <laughs> pestilence. He's a pestilent fellow. Because that's what they're looking for. And they found it. Right? That's why you, we have to be blameless as Christians, as ministers of the Lord Jesus Christ. We walk blameless so that when they're trying to find something, it doesn't hold water. That's why we've had, I've hauled, uh, see, I think it's six times, seven times, six or seven times, I lost count, six or seven times the police have been called on me, but all six or seven times, there was no fault found. I, I was found blameless, see? That's what you want. I'm not hauled off to prison. That means they found something they didn't like. Well, with me, because I do it the way the Holy Ghost has told me to do it, 
I'm not hauled off to prison. I think that's ridiculous. But if God wants you to be hauled off to prison because you're going to go minister over there, that's fine. That's different. But that's oftentimes not what happens. Not what happens. A lot of street preachers take that as a as a pride thing, a little notch on their uh, Bible. How many times have you been arrested? How many times have you been in the paddy wagon? How many times have you been hauled off? You know, I mean, that's their, you know, whatever. People do what they want to do. It's fine with me. I just, I don't agree with it at all. Not in the slightest. Unless, unless God has showed you that's what he wants you to do. That's different. Because God does all kinds of things that may be offensive, not offensive, but un, un, uh, uh, don't understand why they're doing it. But after a while, God reveals himself. You'd be surprised what God will do. He'll put you in places that no other person would ever go to. I've been in places that no, no Christian would ever go to, no missionary would go to. I've been on six missionary trips. I've been in places that no other missionary would go there, never unless God told them to. Like God told me, I wasn't hurt. You know, I had all kinds of problems because, you know, that's where God told me to go. Like God told me, this is where I'm at, where God wants me to be. All right, this fellow, and he's a mover, huh, a mover of sedition, kind of a mover and shaker, stirring things up. He's a mover, you know. He moves things around. He doesn't leave things status quo. Doesn't rock the boat. He's always making everybody just stay quiet, stay peaceful, stay hidden. That's what a lot of pastors are teaching now. Be quiet, stay hidden. No, don't don't talk too much. You don't want to be uh, you don't want to be uh, accused of anything. I'm glad I'm not quiet. I'm glad I didn't God didn't tell me to put a bushel over my bath put a bushel over my life, put a basket over my light, to put my light out, to hide it from everybody. He said, go on the rooftop, John, and shout from the rooftops that Jesus Christ is Lord. So I raised a big banner, a big 10-foot banner. Everybody in the area can see it, just like right now. Orange cones. Anyway, people know what I'm doing. That's why a lot of people have looked at me. All right, a mover of sedition. I don't know exactly what sedition means. Sedition is sort of like... Uh, uh, it's a fancy word. It's a religious word. It's a biblical word. So when you use the word sedition, you're actually pointing people not away from the word, but towards the word. Yeah. So sedition is a good word. I just didn't look it up. You can look it up. Sedition among all the Jews. All the Jews. Interesting. God's people, the Jewish people, the Hebrew people. The father is Abraham the Abrahamic people, right? Abraham, Isaac, Jacob. God changed Jacob's name to Israel, right? That's the 12 tribes of Israel, right? <clears throat> All right, movement of the Jews throughout the world. Paul traveled throughout the world. The known world, I guess you could say, it didn't say known world, it says all over the world. So I don't know how the word of God got all over the world, but apparently it did, because that's what the Bible says. They've covered the world with the Word of God. So really, people tell me that, well, what about these people? What about these people? Look, the whole world has been covered in the Word of God. And the Word of God says to repent, for the kingdom of God is at hand. So everyone has heard the Word of God in some form or fashion. 
Alright? So don't be concerned that somebody in some far off country hasn't heard the word of God. It is being heard constantly. Okay? Alright? For we have found this man a passionate fellow and a mover and sedition among all the Jews throughout the world. And a ringleader. A ringleader. Kind of like a, a circus ringleader. Alright? A ringleader. Kind of the, the boss. The one who gathers people together. The leader of a ring of people. A gathering of people. Right? Very, a ring would be inclusive. We're, uh, no, not include, yeah, no, uh, a ring would be exclusive, to exclude others, not to be including of others. So our, in the Christian church, we're the, I think we're the only faith in the world, only religious organization, however you want to look at that, you know, church, ministry, church, religion, <clears throat> that is exclusive. What I mean by that is you must receive Jesus Christ as your Savior to be a part of our faith, of our walk, of our way, right? And, and other religions say you can be whatever you want. We include everybody. And so when you go to churches and other religions, they say you can be whatever you want. That's what, thank you very much. So that's why uh, Muslims are being actually taught now that is, you know, Islam is being taught that it's okay to receive Christians in your churches, in your sect, right? That, that's, and a lot of, and they say it's okay. You just can't be radical like me. Like I wouldn't be accepted because I'm, I am, I am like Paul. I'm a mover and a shaker of the word of God. I'm not gonna let people just do whatever they wanna do because I care for their soul. They may not care for mine, but I care for them, right? Anyways, that's another topic. A lot of people don't understand that. Uh, mover of all the Jews throughout the world, a ringleader of the sect. Right? So that tells you right now what the ringleader is. The sect. This section of people, this group of people only. You know? And it is titled the Nazarenes. The Nazarenes. So the Nazarene, uh, there's kind of a two different situations on there. Uh, Jesus was born in Nazareth. That's why he was called a Nazarene. However, there's another group of people who call themselves a Nazarites, Nazarite. And the Nazarites take on vows and commitments and they live a very weird, odd life. And they say uh, they're working for God. But I've had, I think, two in the last four and a half years of Nazarites. And they are very powerful, very assertive, I mean, those guys live a very unique life, a Nazarite. And that's not referring to Nazarenes nor being from Nazareth. It's a different, but they just use that name. And I forgot all the nuances of that group of people. But they're not of Christ. They're not of Christ. One of them was going to shoot me. He was so mad. Uh, I was over there. Uh, Near, nearby 55th, over by Wendy's there, Conestoga and Arapahoe, about four years ago. I just got started preaching not too long ago, not too long at that time, and I was scared because he was very angry. He came to me probably four or five, six times. He would sit in his car and just fume with anger towards me. I 
tell you, I had put the armor of God on about 50 times. I was scared. I didn't know what to do. I was pretty new to street preaching. And he wanted to take me out because he was so against the preaching of Jesus Christ. And he was a Nazarite. Very 6'6", 250 pound. He looked like he just came out of, uh, looked like a Jeremiah Johnson type guy, came out of the mountain man type person. It was like, wow. He lived out in the mountains. And he traveled and did all kinds of things. And, that, and I met another one later on. He was not as mean as this guy was. But Nazarenes, okay, verse six, who also hath gone about to profane the temple. So you see how he's detailing all the things out that are important to Jews? A lot of things that uh, are important to Jews, he's bringing to surface. So Tertullius is not just saying a few words, he is saying a lot of words. And he is stirring the heart by using the word pray. So he's using emotion, he's using intellect, he's using witnesses, he's using every tool he has in his toolbox as a prosecutor. Okay? Uh, and feign the temple, whom we took. So it's pretty interesting, we took. Now it's interesting, it says we took, but I can almost guarantee you that he himself didn't take Paul, that his group of people took him. It's really interesting, took him and would have judged according to our law. They would have judged him. And guess what? Paul would have died right there. But God said, you're not gonna die there. You gotta go to Rome. You're gonna go to Jerusalem and you're gonna be bound for my name, but you don't, don't, don't have any problem. I mean, be a, be a good cheer, Paul. I'm gonna, you still gotta go to Rome. So you're not done here. You won't die here. You still gotta go to Rome, okay? So that's the word of God. So Paul is leaning on and trusting in the Word of God, Revelation 19.13. Right. Go look that up. <clears throat> All right. Whom we took would have judged according to our law. Verse 7. But the chief captain, I, I'm going to back up a little bit, our law. So that's what people say. That's my Bible. That's our book. That's our Bible. Our church has this Bible. Right. That's how churches are. A lot of churches say, no, that's our Bible. You know, uh, it, it, it's, it's my Bible. It's, you know, they, they claim it as a uh, man-made article. Not a God-made, God or not God-given, God-inspired. They denounce that. It's a God, man rewrote the Bible so we can understand it. <laughs> Did you get it? Man, they said man rewrote the Bible so we can understand it. That's why, I think that's interesting. That's what, a lot of times, that's how people pick their Bibles. I want to be able to understand it, John. I can't understand thee and thou. That's too hard for me to understand. <laughs> I can't understand the Bible. That's what it sounds like to me in my ears when people tell me that. That's what it sounds like to me. All right. <laughs> okay, uh, going down through here, uh, we took um, our law. Because by that time, uh, God, man has perverted God's laws. That's why they didn't believe in the Messiah. That's why they wanted to kill Jesus. Verse 7, but the chief captain, the Seus, uh, Lysias, or however, L-Y-S-I-S-I-A-S, the Seus, came upon us. Remember, if he didn't come upon them, uh, Paul would have been ripped in two. Would have ripped him, been, been ripped in pieces. They were pulling and tugging on him. They were going to rip him apart. 
they were so angry at God, right? And, and Paul represents God, just like we do. All right, keep going. Came upon us with great violence. See, that goes back further in the book. Great violence. So now you know there was great violence around Paul in the previous chapter, right? So we see that. And uh, would have taken him away out of our hand, took him away out of our hands, right? Because he rescued him out of him, brought him in the castle, right? Verse 8, commanding his accusers, right? And he commanded his accusers to come up to thee uh, by examining of whom thyself mayest take knowledge. So that's why he brought him to Caesarea, to Felix. Right? Take knowledge of all these things whereof we accuse him. So you see what they're doing. We accuse him. <laughs> God bless you. We accuse him. Right? And we know now that is the accuser of the brother, which is Satan, the red dragon, the thief. Right? The thief. That John 10, 10. The thief cometh not but to steal, to kill, and to destroy at, by use of accusations. They accuse you, and then you're sentenced to death. Right? Right? Anyways. Accuse him, verse 9. And the Jews also assented. So they agreed with Tertullius's rendition. His talk is, quote, few words. They agreed with him. What is the spiritual principle where two or, th two, two or more people come together as touching anything? Let it be established. Out of the mouth of two witnesses, let it be established. But if God is in control, he is the author and finisher of that law. See? Interesting. God has the last say, always. The boss, the owner, has the last say, always. Those who were created do not have the last say. A lot of people think so, but they don't. The lady in, down there in Golden, she wanted to save Satan. That was all she talked about. I want to save Satan. I want to love him and love him into the kingdom of God. I don't want to help all of his angels that he that work with him. That's what they told me. Is that called deception? That's called deception. Big time. Big time. And the Jews assented, saying that these things were so. These things are so. Amen. So be it. These things are so. So all the people agreed with Tartilius. Now, that agreement was false. False. It was a lie. They were they they lied. But they all agreed in the lie. See, that's what's happened any, all over the place. People read a lie, hear a lie, talk a lie, and then they agree that that lie sounds like the truth because it feels good. I love you, therefore, let's go to bed together. See, that's a lie, but it feels good. Right? And both of you agree together, and both of you commit sin. But a man of God comes along and says, don't do that, that's sin. The wages of sin is death. Stay away from that. Oh, but we love each other. The Bible says love covers over a multitude of sins. See, all kinds of trash people talk trying to make the accusation that God said, don't sin. They use what Satan says. It's okay, you can do that, no problem. See, that's taking accusation, accusing, and twisting and turning around to your benefit of sin because Satan knows that that can be really good in deceiving you. A lot of action going on. It's kind of sides, a little sidetrack. All right? So we accuse him, right? 
You don't want to walk with Satan. You don't want to walk with accusing. Be very, very alert to that. Because if that begins coming out of your mouth, I tell you, God's not going to be mocked. Your words are critical. They're like seeds that are sown. God said, I won't be mocked. Sorry. Whatever a man sows, that that he sows, he's going to reap it back. And we know when God brings a harvest, it's always multiplied. Do you really want that in your life? I hope not. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you that we can talk on the Word of God. We can lift up the Word of God here on the street. We can lift up a ba banner of truth. We can lift up your name, Jesus. And we can lift you up in our uh, voice. We can lift you up, publish it on a banner, a sign. And we can lift up the banner of truth on the mountain. This is a mountain. We can shake our hand and proclaim that Jesus Christ is Lord. We can invite people to come into your kingdom uh, through the shed blood of Christ. We thank you, Lord, for shedding your blood for our sins. We are washed away of all that sin. Help us, Lord, to endure all the way to the end, the very last day when we pass out of this body that we'll be received up into heaven. In your holy name, Jesus, we humbly pray. Amen and amen. Amen, right? All right, so uh, I'm going to let you go. I'm going to put this away. It's a very busy day up here. A lot of students. And uh, God bless you. I love you very much. Take care.